coming up, the story of how a lady detective saved Abraham Lincoln. A tale of treachery and murder. Plus, our distraction of the week. I'm Mel. I'm Dave. This is the Library of Lost Time. What I'm about to tell you is all true. Okay. In February 1861, President-elect Abraham Lincoln was on his way to Washington, D.C. for his inauguration. He was taking the train from Springfield, Illinois, and there was a transfer in Baltimore. In Baltimore, a secret cabal that opposed his anti-slavery stance planned to assassinate him. That was called the Baltimore Plot. But the railway company hired the Pinkerton Detective Agency to provide security, and they caught wind of the plan. Lincoln's advisors changed his itinerary, and the evil plot was foiled. So, happy ending. Yeah, good on you, Pinkerton guys. But the story gets even better, because you said Pinkerton guys. One of the Pinkerton detectives was a widow named Kate Warren. In 1856, she joined Chicago's Pinkerton Detective Agency, and her colleagues respected her for her ability to wear convincing disguises and charm information out of people. To help get the scoop on the plot to assassinate Lincoln, she pretended to be a Southern belle from Alabama and ingratiated herself with the wives and sisters of the plotters. Her intel is what helped crack the case. All of this, again, is true. That's amazing. Right? Yeah. I'll put some links in show notes so everyone can delve into that real story. Okay. So now on to a book. There's a new novel called Never Sleep by Fred Van Lente that tells a fictional account of these events. Kate is still the heart of the story, but in the world created by the author, she's taken a new trainee under her wing, a young woman named Hattie. Poor Hattie. (laughs) She applied to the agency to be a secretary. (laughs) (laughs) But soon she's caught up in the mission to save the president. Publishers Weekly said the book's well-developed characters match the fast-paced plot. I'd also like to mention that the book opens with a historical map of Baltimore, which for me is a big selling point. Sure. And the title, Never Sleep, refers to the Pinkerton motto, We Never Sleep. If this sounds interesting to you, I also want to mention that another novel, another fictionalization of Kate Warren's life came out a few years ago. That one's called Girl in Disguise by Greer McAllister. And that one has a much more romantic slant. So if you want to go all in, there are two books you could read about Kate Warren. This one is Never Sleep by Fred Van Lente, and it's out now. Adding itself to my TBR this week is The Wager, a talk of shipwreck, mutiny, and murder by David Gran. This nonfiction book starts when a boat full of men lands on the coast of Brazil in 1742. They are barely alive. Oh. Yep. They are in a patched together raft of wood and cloth, and they have a story to tell. I would assume they do. Yep. They are survivors of His Majesty's ship, The Wager. The Wager was a British vessel on a secret mission during a war with Spain. I like how you can say a war because there were so many. There were so Not many. the. No. <laughs> no. They wrecked on an island in Patagonia. And then they were marooned there for months on a deserted island, but eventually they put together a flimsy raft and sailed for over 100 days, traveling over 3,000 miles of storm-tossed seas. Three months on a cobbled-together raft sounds terrible. Yes, it all sounds really bad. So they land, and 
in Brazil, they are celebrated, right? Until about six months later, when an even more decrepit boat lands on the coast of Chile. That boat only has three men, and they have a different story. They say that first boat? Those guys were mutineers. Murderous, treacherous mutineers. From there, we get the story of the island these guys were on, what really happened to the wager, and what kind of Lord of the Flies existence these guys were eking out. Jeez. Yeah. The author David Gran also wrote The Lost City of Z and Killers of the Flower Moon. He's great with the nonfiction adventure stories. I look forward to reading this. It's The Wager, a talk of shipwreck, mutiny, and murder by David Gran. And now, our distraction of the week. If you've seen more poetry on social media than usual lately, it's because April is National Poetry Month. Nice. We're sneaking this in just in time before the end of the month. (laughs) You can take advantage of the Poetry Month right before they shut it down and kick you out. I mean, it's always a good time to read poetry. Yeah. I loved poetry when I was a little kid. But as I got older, poetry seemed like it was supposed to be deep and meaningful, and it felt heavy, and it wasn't fun, so I got out of the habit of reading it. And then a few years ago, I got to be in my bonnet that I wanted to read more poetry, and I started following a few online resources. I picked out a journal and my favorite pens, and I started keeping a diary of poems that I like. And that has been a really good experience. So, dear listeners, if you want to get more poetry in your life, I have some tips to help you figure out what kind of poems you might like, which is the first step to getting more poetry into your life. Tip number one, read a whole bunch of stuff so you can figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. My epiphany about poetry is that I don't much like poems that rhyme. And that means I can eliminate a whole bunch of stuff right off the bat. (laughs) I also love the Bronte's novels but cannot get into their poetry. Also, not really a fan of traditional flowery love poems. I like my romance to have some teeth and be grounded in reality. Yeah. The only reason I know these things is because I spent time reading lots of new-to-me poets and lots of poems to find what I like. Tip number two, follow your interests. I found many things I like by focusing on poems about travel, books, and fairy tales. For example, if you Google the word poem plus a destination, you get lots of returns and then you can skim them and see if anything appeals to you. Right. You could also try poets I need to know from and the destination. Or you can search according to your mood. Poems to read when you feel sad. Poems to read when you're excited. That kind of thing. Tip number three. Hit up the library or the bookstore. Take a book off the shelf, flip it open, and just start reading. (laughs) I think I do the bulk of my poetry reading in bookstores. One of our listeners, Linda W., she recommended that you pick up poetry anthologies instead of a collection by one poet. Yeah. Because then you get to sample different styles and different subjects. There are also frequently anthologies that are centered around a mood, a kind of poetry, you know, whether they're modern poets or ancient poets, and you can kind of self-direct that way as well. Finally, There are a lot of great online resources that will deliver things right to your email. There are at least two newsletters that send a poem a day, and people share poems on Twitter and Instagram on a daily basis. There are also a few podcasts that feature a reading by the poet and then discuss their work, 
which can help you better connect to the material if you have a hard time getting into reading a poem. Yeah. And if you prefer to read rather than listen, the Guardian newspaper does that online every week. They pick out a poem, they have someone analyze it and tell you, here are some things you could think about when you're reading this thing. So we thought to inspire everyone to read more poetry, Dave and I would each pick out a short poem that we like and share it with you. Yeah. You want to go first? Okay. This is Don't Hesitate by Mary Oliver. Mary Oliver was an American poet. She was born in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio, and she died recently in a small town in Florida in 2019 when she was 83. She wrote a lot about the world of nature and the things she found there. This is Don't Hesitate. If you suddenly and unexpectedly feel joy, don't hesitate. Give in to it. There are plenty of lives and whole towns destroyed or about to be. We are not wise and not very often kind, and much can never be redeemed. Still, life has some possibility left. Perhaps this is its way of fighting back, that sometimes something happens better than all the riches or power in the world. It could be anything, but very likely you notice it in the instant when love begins. Anyway, that's often the case. Anyway, whatever it is, don't be afraid of its plenty. Joy is not meant to be a crumb. Joy is not meant to be a crumb is a fantastic ending. <laughs> so good. Yeah. The poem I'm sharing today is called Girls of the Wild by Nikita Gill. I've talked about her on a previous episode of The Library of Lost Time. She's a British Indian poet. She has a very large following on social media. Most of her poems seem to be either written for young girls or written to her younger self to kind of give her the kind of advice she wishes someone had given her yeah. when she was young. They address body image and friendship and love and self-worth, those kind of subjects. This is called Girls of the Wild. They won't tell you fairy tales of how girls can be dangerous and still win. They will only tell you stories where girls are sweet and kind and reject all sin. I guess to them, it's a terrifying thought. A red riding hood who knew exactly what she was doing when she invited the wild in. That's so good. It's really good. Also, it's the exception that proves the rule because a couple of those lines rhyme and I love it. <laughs> Visit strongsenseofplace.com slash library for more about the books we discussed and a whole boatload of links to poetry resources. Thanks for joining us in the Library of Lost Time. Remember to visit your local library and your independent bookstore to lose some time yourself. Stay curious. We'll talk to you soon.